There's rumors on the internet. There are Evan not. might have debunked it, but <laughs> there there's rumors no going around. Rumors. People are, you know, chit-chatting at the water cooler. And Uncle Scott finally got the story <laughs> a couple years later. This and I believe everything I read my phone. I've opened my phone and I I read things. I immediately go, well, that's true because it's on the internet. This is the equivalent of your aunt having a framed picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi over her fireplace as Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we are two X Nine Marks brothers. Scott, did you ever uh, follow the Nine Marks uh, system of church stuff? System of church stuff. I don't know what else to call it. It wasn't like a church planning thing. It was just like, I mean, it was like open resource stuff, which is kind of cool, but it was just the what it peddled was bad. I love that description. Um, I I am aware of it. I can't remember if I really dove into the coursework. Yeah. Uh, but I do recall because what was the one book? Nine marks of a like healthy church. He had a bunch of books, right? Yeah, it was, it was like a whole series of like nine, nine marks. marks of a healthy church. Nine marks of being a disciple. Nine marks of marking things nine times. <laughs> How to make nine marks in your notebook yeah. with a pen? Nine marks of the Marks Brothers. um yeah i I don't really recall i just i do remember some of the dudes was it just mark dever dever yeah the only guy yeah mark dever was 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 the big hitter um okay i do remember him he ran in those same circles as kevin DeYoung, john MacArthur, mark driscoll cj mahaney um Uh, cj's all right I'll let, CJ has a pass. Okay, <laughs> he Fair. seems nice, but maybe he <laughs> should get canceled. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel about like half of these guys. I'm like, I've listened to like uh, Tim Keller. Um, yeah, I know. I saw he died. Oh, did he really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, this week or really? over the weekend. I know he yeah. had cancer or something like uh-huh. that. Yeah, he um, died. I like there was some stuff that he said that was like really uh, solid and really good, and he always kind yeah. of like led his theology which i think anybody should with a level of grace and compassion and of a level of i don't know um which is shocking considering the amount of stuff that he wrote that was very heavy theologically yes Um, but then i'm sitting there and i'm like i don't i i read you like 10 years ago yeah i'm curious if i reread some of the books how i'd feel yeah. But I don't ever remember him 
he wasn't famous for like being a like countercultural, you know, like some no. other pastors, like the, just trying to be like, oh, you gotta, you know, be a man, or you gotta, you know, hate everything that's a, of this world. Yeah. I felt like he was very much a like, just like God, theology. God feels nice. <laughs> Here, try this on. Try it's this. like a jacket. Yeah, it's called God. <laughs> try it on. It's a little big. <laughs> um, but yeah, the night marks. I I don't recall much of it, but um, I'm sure it was a hit in my church because we were a big forty days. Rick Warren kind of church. That was oh where I Rick grew up. Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So we had thirty one more reasons. Was Rick Warren one of those guys? I feel like he was an outsider because he he advocates for women pastors. I don't think he's part of that same crew of like the fundies. No, like, he's. I remember there was a uh, Piers Morgan did an interview with him and walked away, and he was like, "That was the most impressive interview I ever gave in my life." Wow. And it was because uh, we should probably do a content warning at the beginning of all this, but uh, Rick Warren's son shot himself and committed oh suicide. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jeez. But, and so they were just, uh, Pierce Morgan is a big anti-gun advocate. Um, and so they had a really good conversation about, like, mental health and everything like that. I think everything. I remember that. Yeah, and Pierce Morgan was like, Hands down, best conversation I've ever had. <laughs> better than beans and toast, better might than, I say. Uh, better than, better than the queen. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure. To have Put her there. That's Put my, a paw in there. My Piers Morgan That's... impression. <laughs> yeah, Rick Warren was. Uh, for those who don't know, he was. His big selling point was a book called Forty Days of Purpose, and he was famous for wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. To church, and it was like, oh, it's I'm the casual pastor. I'm 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 the cool dad, you know. Yeah, like, he, that was he his really shtick. was a dad. That was his shtick was. was being a dad. And he uh, uh, he was being interviewed uh, recently about um the sex scandal stuff at the SBC, and they were like, so what'd you think? Whoa. And he was like, I don't think they went far enough. He was like, it's our job. Damn, good on you, Rick. I know, Rick. Rick. Although, is he SBC? Or- it's easy for him to say if he's outside of SBC. I don't know if he's SBC. <laughs> I, I'm no, I mean, he's mm. SBC adjacent, and he's like yeah. enough SBC people look to Rick Warren for guidance, you know? True. So I feel like he's he, he exists in that same realm that Russell Moore does, where it's like no longer SBC, but people still care. Oh, Russell Moore's not SBC anymore either? He left after Trump. Damn, good on him. I always, yeah. I always had respect for that guy. He yeah. seemed like he had Russell a- Moore left after uh, Trump got elected, and dang, because he was with his organization, the ERLC or whatever. He was trying to like push a bunch of uh, anti-Trump stuff, and they were like, "No, we don't want you to." And he was like, "All right, well, these are my fingers," and he <laughs> like he left, um, and you know, made his church non-SBC. Yeah. Or something or other. I don't know how he did it. Or whatever. I, it's probably some church that paid off its property years ago, you know. Oh, um, yeah. I remember this now. I do recall yeah. something about... Because he, like he did like a big open letter. Yes. Yeah, I do remember this now. Yeah, he... Uh, I remember meeting that guy a couple of times. I used to go down to Southern Seminary like a couple times a year. Yeah. And I would just fangirl over Albert Moeller and Russell Moore all the time. Oh my gosh. People would just, oh, people would stroke it to Albert Moeller down there. They love that guy. 
And I don't really care about him personally. I no. never really cared about him that much. Russell Moore, though, I, I thought he had an interesting perspective for how fundamentalist of an organization he was co-running. Yeah. He had a pretty good head in his shoulders. But uh, considering um, how conservative he was, he put out an article that was why Christians shouldn't own guns. Damn. <laughs> damn, Russell. <laughs> That's, and I think it's Russell's one of those guys that just takes a lot of things to the core. And you're like, hey, if you're really a Christian, you should take this seriously. And he's like, yes, I do. And he goes like that much <laughs> further with it. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, like that's that's kind of all all these guys in these. That's the whole bag about all these guys is you run yeah. into. You've got your Mark Driscoll's who are your toxic, like Ugh. be a man type pastors. You have your Rick Warren, who's a dad. <laughs> and it's just up. he's just like Pixar land, like yeah, on a scooter man. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's just, you know, if Jimmy Buffett was a pastor. Um, yes. And then you have like Russell Moore, who you feel like you can have a like you're going to disagree with a lot of his politics, but you do feel like you can have a beer with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Who is he in the Avengers? Russell Moore? Yeah. Oh, well, Hawkeye. Like, I, I <laughs> do not. I think you could do without Who him. Who is Rick Warren <laughs> then in the Avengers? Uh, Thor. <laughs> 100%. Perfect. And who is Mark Driscoll? Oh, God. Um, he could be evil. I'm trying to think of the most or useless. Or just the one that sucks the most. I, I already used up Hawkeye. Um, I already used Hawkeye. Oh, that Quicksilver guy who like spends thirty minutes in a movie, and then just gets shot. Fair. Uh, well, speaking of animated superheroes and the whatnot with superpowers, superpowers, super people, superpowers, and super people. Speaking, Captain Falcon. God. I did it. I did it. Scott, you never cease to amaze me. There's rumors on the internet. There are Evan not. might have debunked it, but <laughs> there there's rumors no going around. Rumors. People are, you know, chit-chatting at the water cooler. They are not. And Uncle Scott finally got the story <laughs> a couple years later. This and I believe everything I read my phone. I've opened my phone and I, I read things. I immediately go, well, that's true because it's on the internet. This is the equivalent of your aunt having a framed picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi over her fireplace is Jesus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on. So it's the exact same thing. We- so I found an article that says the Nintendo developers confirm that Captain Falcon's powers come from his strong faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> they do not. This is but I'll play along. I'll play along. No, I want to I just give it to me straight. Okay. They didn't. There you go. <laughs> uh, so Super Smash Brothers creator Mashiro Sakurai shocked the gaming community. This is what the article says. It's from harddrive.net. It's real. Yep. It's not. 100%. Um, <laughs> shocked the gaming community today by finally announcing that fan favorite character Captain Falcon gets his powers from his strong faith in Jesus Christ. People have been asking and finally decide to deliver, Sakurai explained in a thread on Twitter. I always knew he worshipped our eternal savior, and the only true explanation for a falcon kick of that power is his inspiration from his divine sacrifice. (laughs) In fact, the truth was always available to those who looked closely. 
Take Captain Falcon's signature move, for example. Falcon Punch, <laughs> FP. Clearly, this is an allusion to first songs. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> whenever I see FP. Obviously, I mean, it's first. What is first songs even reference? It's like the shortest psalm. It's Just the most the forgettable songs. one, too. Like, uh, oh, man. That's like, like what, what am I supposed to make of, like, soccer clubs that are like fc am i supposed to be like first corinthians <laughs> yes like can abbreviations just mean anything now to numerology and people looking for christ oh and god don't yes. even get me started on numerology it's such bullshit <laughs> super smash brothers melee pro and captain falcon main whiz robe shared his opinion on the news it's always a great thing to know that after i die in a tournament my character will be seated at the right hand of the <laughs> father even if it's digital <laughs> Wizrobe said. Uh, it makes me extra joy in using Captain Falcon to kill Jigglypuff, a heinous creation I could only imagine to be a servant <laughs> of Satan. <laughs> this is the best interview. Oh my God. Deacon Robert Olmeyer of St. Gabriel <laughs> of the Archangel Church also weighed in on what this mean- news means for Catholicism. We're always welcoming more people to worship at the feet of Christ, Olmeyer said. I just wish Sakurai could have anointed a cooler fighter. <laughs> Catholic or not, <laughs> I'm not changing my mane from Samus. <laughs> I'm still reeling from the time I found out she's a girl. I love the... St. <laughs> Gabriel Archangel Church says, I'm not changing my mane from Samus. <laughs> I'm not changing my mane. Despite universal praise of the announcement from Super Smash Bros. fans, uh, creator of Captain Falcon and the F-Zero series, Takaya, Takaya Imumar, I'm, I'm destroying I'm destroying these names. I'm so sorry. Sorry, everyone. Was reportedly disappointed upon hearing the news. <laughs> he said, what? Imumar said, what the fuck? He said, what? At the press at press time, when asked what was next for the franchise, Sakurai revealed that a future Nintendo Direct will feature a live baptism of the <laughs> Ice Climbers, something he wanted to do in the Wii U 3D's era, but did not have the technology capable to complete. I want to see the live baptism of the Ice Climbers oh my so God, bad. Please. <laughs> I mean, how, they how, do you to do the top. A, how do you do a live baptism of animated characters? Great question. We're going to, have to beg Nintendo for this. Are you uh, just are next you game live streaming someone drawing them getting baptized? <laughs> Does God save video game characters? Isn't there a, a <laughs> what song, if God what if God's got cartoons? saved? They there we start go. Singing praise. In a whole new way. Do you think cartoons get saved, Evan? No, they go straight to hell. They go to hell. They, they have go, souls. They actually, they do have souls. <laughs> Scooby Doo has a soul. When he dies, he goes to hell. That's what my mom said. She said anything drawn with a face has a soul, yep. and it will go to hell yep. unless it's a human being. Um, because the face is representation <laughs> of a soul, and so if you draw something that has a face, beware, kids. If you're drawing. Uh, stick figures with smiley faces a stick figure with just a blank head is okay yeah. as soon as you draw a face on it and then it goes in the trash and then it goes to the dump it, then it gets burned up it's it dead to hell. unless you shared the gospel with it 
It goes, a, goes a double hell if it gets recycled. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No chances. So, so, so choose wisely you put smiley faces on. And the amount of people you send to hell determines whether or not you go to hell. <laughs> Wait, is there a ratio or is it just a threshold of a number? I think it's a threshold of a number. It's just like... What's the number? I think like two. <laughs> <laughs> two? <laughs> So if you're responsible for sending two people to hell, I'm pretty sure I've done like two of my own grandparents. <laughs> Drawn figures. Oh my, it's countless. Yep, yep. So sorry. Who's your who's your main in Super Smash? Um, Captain Falcon from now on. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. I'm taking the pledge. I know. Uh, no, Samus is my main. Really? Yeah, I Samus. default Samus. I like the charge up ability. Nice. It always bones me in the end, but <laughs> if it's N sixty four, I'm choosing Yoshi. But wow. any other one, it's Link. Is oh, you're kid. a Link kid, gross. I'm a, I'm a Link guy. Oh, yeah. you're one of those. I couldn't I stand. I I hated Link. <laughs> it fits. Hi-ya. I'm just used to it. Huh? All right. What are we talking about today? What's our what's our main topic? Uh, nothing. We're going home. Um, no, today, we're talking about Steve Jobs, right? We were talking about Job, the Book of Job. Book of Job. Um, we should just will, say it like Job the whole time, in case oh anyone skips over this part. This this reminds me of that uh, episode of Arrested Development where Job feels like he's getting like shafted, and he's like, "I feel like that guy in the Bible that everything bad happens to." <laughs> It's like Job, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> that was a really good Will Arnett impression. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, it comes oh. through audio-wise pretty good. Um, so. Yeah. So we're talking about Job. The Book of Job is honestly a really fascinating book. Um, you zoom out; yeah. uh, it's really like um, mythologically uh, a really cool book where it stands in Jewish tradition is interesting because this is not the only story of Job that exists. Um, there are other stories of Job. There's one story where um, Job's family doesn't die. Uh, the caricature of Job in Jewish tradition is that he's somebody that suffered a lot and then endured. Yeah. That's the idea. Um, this one got picked up and this was a story this one got picked up and was told um, and was written during a time if I'm not mistaken where the Israelites just did not have a homeland hmm. it was passed down during that time so that's also worth considering um, it's also the first book of the Bible that is yeah. written in intentionally written in the setting of another book almost yes. it's kind of what's going on it's also the oldest uh book we have historically right yeah. as far as manuscripts or yeah, as far as the tradition i can't recall but i'm pretty sure go ahead and fact check me listeners but um i know that it's a very old book because i know the bible as much as we like to think it was just kind of handed down in order, it's really just 
compiled from a number of sources and Job, I can't recall the date when it was first written down or the first copies that were allowed in, but um, you're right. It is in a period where, yeah, Israel is uh, without a home or without a, a, their own land. And um, yeah, the setting is just totally outside of the normal Bible. It feels weird. Like if you read the Bible cover to cover, Job just sticks out like a sore thumb, you know, not even about a quarter of the way through. You're like, what is this book? <laughs> Are you looking up the date of when it was? Uh, I was looking up the date of when it was together. written. So it was appears, the character Job appears in the 6th century BCE book of Ezekiel as an exemplary righteous man of antiquity. The author of the book of Job has apparently chosen this legendary hero for his parable. The scholars generally agree that it was written between the 7th and 4th centuries. Uh, the sixth century being the most likely. Um, yeah, that's what so. I think. Mine says about five thirty or five eighty. So yeah. it sounds right. Um, yeah. Job is a fascinating book, and with we can go ahead and dive into it. Um, yeah, it'll speak for itself. <laughs> yeah, there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of perfect integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. Pause. So this takes place as a contemporary to Abraham. Oh, that's right. Yes. And the land of Uz is nowhere near where Abraham's route would have been. So how did Job fear God? This is the same question I have for Melchizedek. And is it Genesis? Yeah. Because same thing. He's also a contemporary and they just find him on the road while they're traveling. And he's like, oh, I believe in God. And they're like, how? <laughs> <laughs> we just saw him for the first time <laughs> back that way. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, it's those are the best questions to ask, because yeah. we tend to just think that everybody in the Bible is just on the same page all yeah. the time. But you never think about how did this person get the, the message of, you know, the the gospel, or at least the, the commandments to yeah. them. And we have to also remember that like evangelism was not a strong motive in the Old Testament. It's no. only Jonah. Yeah. That really And even it. most of the time, it's like a warning. It's not even like a... Yeah. I think a lot of times it's been softened up to like, oh, it's... They were doing... We think about like modern mission trips of like, go and do like a VBS and, you know, have a Bible story and make a snacks for no, people. God was and, like mad and was going to destroy him. He was like, all right. Going and tell them. Yeah. You, the prophets were like the last stop of like, hey, God's going to fuck your city up. I'm going to send somebody to be a merciful. So, yeah, it was cutthroat. And people uh, say so it's fascinating, just even verse one, because how is he blameless and upright if he didn't even know the commandments at that time? Like, was right. he following the Sabbath? Was he, did he have idols? Because everybody had idols back then to, oh, yeah. you know, that's how you'd made, made it rain. Yeah, we'll get into this a little bit later. How does he know how to make a sacrifice? Yeah, all these things. Yep. Um, He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons... Sounds like Job wrote this. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Job, and I was... I'm the best. He was really... (laughs) Good looking and smart, and everyone loved him. 
Um, his sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So I, one thing I, I kind of learned, and maybe everybody knows this, but I, I was reading a book about some of the, how did people kind of come across the Bible and spirituality and all these things, that like sort of kind of the historical perspective. And one of the most, at least one of the um, ex- explanations for sacrifices is people thought smoke was just food for the gods. So they thought like oh. the particles would vanish because so, they didn't know what like fire was really what was happening. They didn't understand like what this reaction was. They just thought, Oh, I set on fire and it disappears into the sky. So this must be food for whatever God's up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so heaven's just Cheech and Chong's house. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just smoke 24 seven, but it makes sense why, because yeah. people, you know, people's version of God is just bigger versions of themselves. Most times it's, it's their perfect version of themselves. So that's why people would sacrifice things they liked in hopes of what the gods would like. It's like, oh, this is my favorite, you know, I'm going to take the best of my grain here. I'm going to take my favorite kid. <laughs> but it, well, it's interesting. He like, was just actually, I'm, actually, I'm gluten-free. Yeah, I don't like any of that. I don't like burnt kids. I don't like burnt kids. No, thank you. So, yeah, he's just, he's smoking it up to God the whole time. So he's, God has a full belly. So one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. Uh, uh, The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From murmuring the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. I want to pause here. Um, So it's important to note that God and uh, Satan in Job act uncharacteristically. Yes. Entirely. God would know where Satan was coming from. Um, Satan also just doesn't, what he does to Job is really evil, but Satan is more of a deceiver in the rest of the Bible. He doesn't have that strong of a power. Um, he's very much a trickster in this account. Like he's just trying to get, he's calling God's bluff kind of. Uh, it's and it's more in the I think traditional Jewish sense of uh, Satan in that he's an adversary. Um, he's just yeah advocating against him. He you know mm-hmm. he's your um, he's the accuser is more of what he is. Yes. Um, yeah, my study Bible the Hebrew noun for this individual means the accuser or the adversary. Yep, exactly. Yep. Um, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. They're just at a bar. Drive and air conditioning. They're just at a barbecue (laughs) talking about people on earth. Satan answered the Lord, (laughs) Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well. 
The Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. It's also important to note that how God uncharacteristically acts in the rest of the book of Job. Everywhere else in the Bible, it's pretty common for Israel to turn their back on God, and God yeah. sends them a Savior. God reaches down. God chases uh, after his people. God does not do that with Job at all. No, he just lets them. He wants to see what happens. It's a he lets, social experiment. Yeah, it's their, for lack of a better word, gambling on his life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I want to just back up to seven, though. I love that he asked Satan what he was doing, and he just said, mine just says, from going to and fro on Earth. He's just dilly-dallying <laughs> on Earth, just walking around. I love that God has no idea where the adversary is. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> I can see everything in all of history, but I you you spooked me. <laughs> You're crafty. Gotta, gotta be honest. Didn't expect you to show up here. Yeah. <laughs> um. One day when Job's this part is hilarious to me. One yeah. day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported. <laughs> While the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, A lightning storm struck from heaven. It burned up the sheep and the servants and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported, The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with a sword, and I have alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house it collapsed on the young people so that they died and i alone have escaped to tell you i this there's so much going on oh right my there. god it, these joe is just getting uh, like bombarded with information all at the same time it's just like hey your yeah way of is... living is gone hey your children are gone hey it's chaos. There's four people that come up and are talking all at the same time and screaming at Job that his life is in shambles. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, man. Just horrible. And then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped, saying, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything okay i'm gonna be that guy but if the tables were turned like if i went to my wife if, if my neighbor my neighbor <laughs> uh brett was like i don't think your wife loves you that much what if you burnt your house down set her car on fire uh you died <laughs> let's see if your wife still loves you Let's just do a bunch of mean things to your wife and see if she still loves you at the end of the day. I'd be like, no, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Like, and I would be responsible if I started the wager and I, these bad things happen because I started them. I should be at blame. Why, why is God not to blame in the situation? I absolutely. It's like, interesting 
to think about that. But he he gives Satan does not have the power to actually do this to Job. God no. gives Satan the power. Yes. And it's, then later, uh, Satan says, "Look, you haven't affected him personally. That's why he's not blaspheming you." And God says, "All right, you just can't kill him." Yeah. I mean, he later in the verses he gives him these like skin boils and he wants to just absolutely die. He wishes he was never born. All these horrible things happen to this dude. Oh, All for what? <laughs> I want to fast forward cuz it says Job never sinned or blamed God for any of this. Job 30 verse 20. I cry out to you, capital U, for help, but you do not answer me. When I stand up, you merely look at me. You have turned against me with cruelty. You harass me with your strong hand. You lift me up on the wind and make me ride it. You scatter me in the storm. Yes, I know that you will lead me to death, the place anointed for all who live. Dang. And then Sounds Job, like he's blaming God. And <laughs> Job starts making the case for himself. He's just like, have I not wept for those who have fallen on hard times? Has my soul not grieved for the needy? But when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, darkness came. Yikes. Yeah, I th- it. I think Job too often gets oversimplified, like a lot of books in the Bible. Absolutely. Um, gets oversimplified as a, you know, well, he never cursed God, which we obviously see that's not true. Um, and. He just kept his head up, and we obviously see that that's not true. Job, we keep going back to this every time we tell one of these stories. Let the story be the story. Yeah. The story. We're trying to apply like fundamentalist perspectives on this and make it. I think the thing that I am bamboozled by is that. I grew up, we treated this as history. Like this was a historical, like the whole Bible is, it's a historical account. How would this be a historical account? Like I get like Kings, Chronicles, all of that. But like how would, who, who would give a shit to write this story? Like, But it, it it's a slippery slope because if there's just a story of, God, and it's just all allegory, then that means the rest of the Bible could all just be allegory in some case. So it's... Ah, gee. Darn. <laughs> How did you grow up with this? Like, what did it... Was it taught th- to you as history? As I don't think anybody ever explicitly explained it as history, but I think it was kind of explained in that light. And the problem with treating Job as a historically accurate account is you have to accept some of the pitfalls of the story if you believe Job is a real person. If yeah. you believe that Job is a real person, then you also believe that he was able to understand fully God at the level that Abraham did without yeah. ever needing any sort of evangelism. Yeah, the only explanation I can see it, they said the location of this land, talking about uh, us or ooze. The location of this land to the east is unknown. So I gotta hold up my Bible so I can read it. Uh, but it may be, be related to Aram in the north, where Abraham's nephew and family lived, or to a descendant of Seir who lived alongside the sons of Esau 
basically it's saying, well, he could have been near Esau and Abraham, possibly, but that's still a stretch. That I mean, we're still, still a, yeah. That is a shot in the dark saying that he and and to know to think that he had a perfect picture of the commandments and the character of God. Like, no, see, and that's the problem is like you were saying is people read into Job like he's a modern day Bible reader and Bible believer when he's going off of just fumes, quite literally fumes. <laughs> he's yeah. just burning animals all day. And, <laughs> and this is another yeah. thing worth noting. Job is a contemporary of Abraham at this time. Yeah. Or he's supposed to be. And God considers in this book, Job to be a man of perfect integrity and most righteous in all the land. Yeah. How? Yeah. How did he know? It was the same thing with um, Melchizedek. Melchizedek is like, they said he was the king of righteousness. And some people say it's an illusion or that it was actually Jesus on the road, but that's not the way we interpret it for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Like, (laughs) yeah. Was Job Jesus and all this? Yeah. Another thing that I like to point out about Job is, and I really challenge people if they're listening to prove me wrong on this, is so Job has a lot of wealth, and he gets all that stripped away. Um, God, one, never tells him why he does it. Yeah. He never does. Uh, He just kind of tells Job to quit your bitching. (laughs) Um, (laughs) At the end. But then the whole thing is God rewards Job tenfold. Yeah. Um, but that's not the same thing. Like, if someone killed my family and then gave me ten more of my fam of different people, that's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. And the no. argument against that is, well, it's a Jewish literary tradition to which I respond... I see one book where that pops up and that's not enough for a literary tradition. Yeah. I, if you can find other examples of Jewish literary history where this is a common thing, the by all means, but once is not enough for me to, to, or someone gets something taken away and it comes back tenfold. You mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I, I have no idea in other spots. This this whole book, I mean, we won't read it in its entirety, but there's there's a lot of imagery and uh, like literary devices that are have been passed down for years. You know, like these, these bigger themes of uh, like good versus evil and a pure heart choosing the right path. You know, like these very... Uh, like time-tested tales. You know, it's like we have these today. Like that's why we have superhero movies. And uh, certain stories resonate with humans. Yeah. And that's why they're famous. And this is one of them. Yeah. Is but this, this archetype? One, you know? This one is just sometimes life sucks and you don't know why. Yeah, and honestly, like it, it is a. I will say to its credit. I think the, why it's a famous book is because it's one of the first attempts at an explanation of why bad things happen to good people. Because I don't yes. think there was really another book or tradition in the past that was saying, because yeah. usually you would go, oh, if something bad happened to you, you probably sinned, or you did something, or your fa- or your dad did something wrong. That's why you have this disease. But this is the first one where people are starting to 
people's minds were starting to go with this idea of God going, wait, but I do believe in God, but then my crops all, you know, they all yeah. died this season. What happened? I was doing the right thing. Well, and, you think about uh, how much the people of Israel and the Jewish people have gone through up until this point, Yes, at the point of this story circulating. Yes. And, you know, God gave his people a chosen land. All of a sudden, they don't have it anymore. They no longer have their land, and so they're kind of sitting there like, well, what the hell? Like, why? Yeah. Well, I yeah, thought we were I God's understand. chosen people, and, you know, this story starts to gain prominence because it's like, because, and the, here's another thing to kind of point out. If you're reading Job like this, if you're reading Job from the point of letting the story be the story, the first chapter, Honest to God, all it does is set up, like, the first half is like, what might have happened? And the second mm-hmm. half is what actually happened. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, if we're going to say that God caused any of this, let's just say God and, you know, it's kind of like an, you know, an old man walks into a bar. It's, it's setting up and being like, okay, yeah. so God and Satan were talking, and they decide that the most righteous man in the world, they're going to give mm-hmm. him hell. They're going to see what he does with it. And yes. it's just a the world's it's just a sad story of something bad happening to a person who shouldn't have had it happen to them but yeah you made a good point it's the the rest of the story is diving deeper into like his uh depression contemporaries his his friends like they they try to push him to curse god and to give up and all this stuff so his wife tells him to curse god his yeah uh friends are like hey aren't you bad like (laughs) and he's like no i'm not and they're like yeah but you probably cheated on your wife or you may have stole something maybe just messed up and he's like i didn't i will give back to that same point of kind of giving this book credit is at this time you know people did think if you if you were doing everything right as far as spiritually then you'd have good fortune yeah but uh yeah it, it makes sense why people are telling him to stop and curse God. Cause like, they're like, you're worshiping a bad dude. Like you're every time you're doing stuff, he's yeah. just making it worse for you. Why don't you worship somebody? It's like, and I think that's why I wish it was taught in a, a little bit more of a, I don't know. What do you want to call it? Not just like a, a little bit looser understanding of what this book is about. Cause the way I was taught was like, well, the bad people wanted him to curse God, but, but Job had, the, had, patience you know the patience of job and he had all the faith in the world so even though all his friends because it's kind of about like anti-bullying you know like oh don't let let the bullies dictate you know your faithfulness you got to just power through yeah but i think about his friends were like you're everything is going to shit (laughs) your life is in shambles maybe you should rethink what you're doing and he's like no i got this and they're like all right well (laughs) screw you yeah well, but like it, it the first it few humanizes chap- it. Yeah, the first bit. few chapters, he stays strong a little bit. But then, as we heard in thirty, that's where yeah. he kind of like lets loose, and he's like, "I haven't done anything wrong." Yeah, he's like, "I'm a good person. I no no one comes across me, and is in need." And he's just like, "But here I am suffering this entire time." He's Damn. like, "I don't know why God's gonna lead me to my death." That's all I know, and I'm pretty pissed about it. Pour one out for Job. I don't know. I'll tell oh, you yeah. what, had it rough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but don't worry. He gets a replacement family. 
I remember even as a kid, I was like, when they would tell that story, I'd be like, but the first chapter says his whole family died. Like, <laughs> so what is, did they resurrect him or like, does he just get new doppelgangers where the exact like, same? Oh, I forgot about these. <laughs> oh, they're the seller. This oh, is the, oh. ooh, 1905. <laughs> oh, I have hotter children. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this. What What are some of your kind of final thoughts on Job? I know there's we've had to do a part yeah, two oh on this yeah, book. Oh, yeah, for but. sure. Um, my short and sweet simple thought is I think Job is actually a satire. As I've mentioned that before to you, um, I think its whole point is that life sucks and you don't get to know why. Yeah. Um, and it's using the – it's kind of – I think it kind of sets the frame of, like, people who are uh, – wanting to know why God would do something to them. And he's kind of like, do you really want to know why? The whole author is just like, this is what could be happening. You know, yeah. we, aren't, we aren't to say Maybe God not. made a bet. Yeah, maybe God made a bet. How about that? That seems like something that could have happened. Um, and I think where it really becomes a satire for me is when Job gets every, when Job gets his new family at the end of it. Because... Yeah. Anybody who's ever lost anyone would tell you that that there's nothing that would, no. there's nothing in the world that could replace that, and so it does leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. The end of it, and it's supposed to. I think it's oh. supposed to. I think it's supposed to leave that sour taste, and I think hmm. it's supposed to say nothing's life shit, and you don't know why, and yeah. you have to keep going. I don't think it really frames God as the most righteous, wise God out there in this book. Yeah. He feels like he feels like a, a God of the Greek mythology to me. Yeah. If I, to be honest, he feels like kind of scattered in his approach. He feels a little jealous, a little competitive. You know, all yeah. these things that and Greek I, gods had. And truthfully, I don't think this book's about God. I think this is more just about the human experience, and that's why I yeah. like Job more and more. The more times I dive into it, the more I like it, because it's more about how somebody experiences the world around them as a result of God's actions and Satan's actions than it is necessarily about like, oh, well, God told me to burn my son. Better go do it. Yikes. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is more of Job's perspective of like, yeah. Holy shit. I don't know why everything's falling apart around me. I have mm. no idea. And then God speaks to him, doesn't tell him, just tells him to like kind of buck up, which <laughs> is kind of the attitude people in Israel would have at the moment. And I think like that's that's why this story is so powerful because it they were promised a land that they were not able to hold on to. Yeah. I kept getting taken away from them. And so, and like, it, there's, there's no mistake that the, uh, that there's invasions mentioned in the first chapter of this book. Mm. Um, from all four guys at the same time. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's just, I, I think the ending is supposed to leave a bitter taste hmm. in your mouth. That's interesting. So, yeah. What about you? Um, this 
it always fell out of place. Even when I was in mm. the height of my Bible reading, this I just remember the beginning of this book felt so strange. Like, why would God make a deal? Like a, it feels like a playful deal. I think that's what was always so off-putting to me was mm. I was always taught about how scary and horrifying hell was as a kid that Satan was always there to trick you and deceive you and like he would torture you once you got to hell and God, you know, is going to kill Satan at the end of days. and It's going to be a huge battle. So I had this framework that Satan was this mastermind of spiritual being that was out to get me. I mean, the boogie, I truly believed in the boogeyman for years. <laughs> that was Satan. Like I thought he would listen to me. So to have this like playful exchange between God and Satan feels so off-putting to me now. Yeah, it's like kill about, him now. Yeah. It's like just yeah, just kill him. He's right there. You don't even yeah. know where he's at. So it, it's this story sticks out like a sore thumb, but I think revisiting and this book I've been reading about it. I feel a bit more gracious towards some of these Old Testament books because I used to just be like, well, they didn't know what they were doing and why is this book significant? But I do think now I understand why it's significant as we were talking because it gave people that glimmer of ex- of an explanation mm. that, you know what, maybe I'm not a bad person. It's just that God is testing my patience and my faith. Yeah. So it's kind of one of the first traditional or traditions in human history of, you know what? Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. And yeah. to that, I give it credit because I will say it nudged humanity in the right direction. Yeah. So, And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it just, it's a, it's a shockingly early book yeah. to be giving an answer of you don't get an answer. I'm curious if this book was actually written later how it would have changed. Like if it, you know, if, if we, if they were pulling from the authors of Genesis, Nexus and Leviticus and all that, and they yeah. were inspired more by that. I'm curious how this book would change if they would make God a little bit more, you know, a little more righteous or a little bit more powerful. Mm. I'm curious. Cause like we've been saying, it's so early and he's a contemporary of Abraham. He's just sort of this guy in the clouds that likes yeah. burnt, food (laughs) he likes his pizza how he likes his nerds burnt um that's all i got yeah no i I, and my last little thing here that i'll say is that if you are seriously reading the bible and if you are looking through it like seriously consider how you need to read job to make it make sense Mm. because you either have to read it like joe is a real person or that joe is a fictional person yes and then you also have to come to terms with the fact that the God of Job and the Satan of Job do not act like God and Satan in any other text in the entire Bible. Yeah. This is certainly one of those uh, slippery slopes of you have to pick one side or the other. Is Job historical and real? And is this all in line or is this just uh, an oral tradition or whatever that was kind of placed into this, canon so interesting stuff evan what have you been digging what's been cooking over household of johnson (laughs) we watched this fascinating movie this last weekend it's called the lost king and it is about this amateur historian who dug up 
I was able to find and piece together uh, Richard III's body and Whoa. where it was buried. Um, and they only found Richard III's body in like 2012. Oh. They didn't know, where, like, he was defeated. And so for a long time, it was just thought that he was just thrown over into a river. And then she was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense because of these things. Hmm. And, you know, Shakespeare talked about Richard III having a hunchback because Shakespeare was writing to the dynasty that killed Richard III. Hmm. And in reality, when they discovered his skeleton, they diagnosed it with scoliosis of the spine. Oh. And so it was fascinating to... It's a really good movie. It's called The Lost King, and it's hmm. a, it's about this uh, woman who worked in like a marketing firm and then was just... She found his body in like the closet in the back of the room. They're like, "Hey, there's a dead guy back here." <laughs> she found <laughs> she found his body in a car park in a social services building, underneath a marking R for reserved. It was just there. I mean, just it was chilling. It was under the. It was underground like in the parking lot. <laughs> Help! Please. He's been here for six hundred years. <laughs> Anybody? No, like they <laughs> they didn't have to dig far, but they did like find him. Um and initially they just found his huh. legs and then, you know, dug him out further and they uh, like, I hope he's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, found his full uh body. They found like the blow to the head, the twisted spine, and they did DNA tests because a guy around that time had done DNA tests for Richard the Third's descendants. Oh. And uh, was like, there's a, a cabinet maker in Canada that has more, more claim to the throne than Queen Elizabeth. Um, and so hmm. they got him involved, and he was like, it's Richard. Interesting. So, fascinating. The Lost movie. King. The Lost King. Highly recommend it. It's not long. Um, really good movie. It's hmm. got Mark Addy, who's one of the seven British actors that appears in every british film i have no idea who that is <laughs> that's the thing is you would know him if you saw him he's one of those i probably would he's one, probably of those, go, I, okay. he's one of those seven british actors <laughs> i i they all all the british people look the same to me i can't pick them out that's also true <laughs> um what about you scott what what's what's going over in the moran household? oh I, I read this book over i, I was on vacation last week so be jealous. That's right. All right. Uh, I read this book called God, the Bible, and Human Consciousness by Nancy Clasby. Um, it's very good. It just walks through from Genesis through the major players of the Old Testament and then the New Testament and then like the apocalypse and like um, and it it takes a, a look at it from like a historical perspective, but mainly how did human thought and humans start? Uh, why, why do we like these stories? Why, why do these resonate? So it kind of plays on that theme the whole way through of like, why did we have a Genesis? What were people trying to communicate through this? So uh, if you're interested in it's an overview of the Bible from more historical and I guess you could say psychological perspective. Uh, this is the book. It's pretty good. So 
books. I read two books this year. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. You're, half, you're halfway through. <laughs> so that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, you can catch us um, on Instagram at Unblessed Pod. You can catch us on TikTok at Unblessed Pod. You can catch us on YouTube at Unblessed Pod. Um, you can catch us here at the Unblessed Podcast. Um, you can also email us at unblessedpod at gmail.com. Uh, happy to receive any, any emails from you. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts and we want to hear what you want us to hear us talk about. Um, if there's anything in the Christian news that you think is worth spouting about, we'd love to hear it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, and my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close your Bible. Bye.